Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and DCRadio.gov. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and here we are again talking about one of my favorite topics, health and wellness. And specifically, we're talking about breast cancer uh, awareness. And I have two awesome women here who are going to share their stories. And again, the whole purpose is to inspire, to educate and empower us. So first I have in the studio, I have Miss Jennifer Jackson. She was born in California, but she's a HU grad. So I she am. came to the to the East Coast. OK, and then she was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 33, only one year after being married. OK. But now she has beat breast cancer and is back to living her happily ever after with her husband, Michael, in Northern Maryland. And then I also have my college dorm freshman year, Bird Hall, third floor, Virginia State University, sister Erica Austin. So we've known each other for this makes 30 years, but she is a courageous breast cancer survivor. And she is determined to advocate for herself and for all of us um, to keep this disease from invading our bodies. And there are ways to do it. And her perception is by eating clean and having mental clarity. Those are ways that she has been able to survive. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Yes, welcome. Welcome, Erica. Erica's um, dialing in and we have Jennifer here in the studio. So I want to start with Erica first. Um, Erica, tell us a little bit about the call or, or the day that you realized that you had something going on with your body. Your body was speaking to you and you went to the doctor. Tell us about that time. So I really didn't have any pain or anything. Um, I, can, I did my mammograms once a year. Um, the doctors told me I was always lumpy and, you know, but they were benign and, you know, nothing happened. So one year I didn't go and do my mammogram. And um, so the, in 2016, I had went to the doctor because I had been getting headaches and my pressure was high and, you know, all types of things were going on. And so, you know, she was just like, did you have a mammogram? And I told her not this year. So she me to get a mammogram okay and so you know it was a lump so it was just a normal lump that I always felt you know over the years and so when they did the mammogram she said um well you need to do a biopsy mm, mm -hmm. so I said okay you know um I had just started a new job I was only on the job probably about two or three months and so probably in around May 7th no, two weeks before that, I went and they called me back instantly and was like, you know, there's some cancer there. And I was like, what? You know? Oh, wow. So there was no, um, there was nothing before. Like, there was no pain, anything. So after, so I got diagnosed on May 7th and by June 5th, you know, I had my first treatment. Okay. So it went pretty fast. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how it all started. And what year was that? Um, in 2016. Okay, so this is recently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, I will be three years in October. Okay, so you went from just thinking that, you know, it was everything was normal until they tell you that you have this cancer and then you go straight to, you said your first treatment. Was it a surgery or what was it? Well, after I got diagnosed, um, 
I got so many calls because, like I said, I had just started a new job. So after I got diagnosed, everybody was calling me. You got to do this test. You got to do that test. You got to do this. You got to do that. Okay. And so I met with um, the oncologist and a surgeon. Okay. So they were just like, oh, bring your family, whoever you want to have with you, you know, so we can talk everything out. And so we all sat down and they basically said, you know, this is what's got to happen. You got to have six rounds of chemo. You got to have surgery. You got to have um, radiation. So they kind of laid, laid it out that day. Okay. So I left overwhelmed. Yes. Um, it was me Obviously. and my daughter. It was just me and my daughter, the oncologist and the surgeon. And we were just sitting there like, like what? Like where? It's just, they just piled everything on you at one time. Right. Right. And so, you know, I was kind of, you know, strong when I was in there. But, you know, by the time I got home, you know, I cried. And that was like the only time, you know, that I cried. And so um, after talking and doing all of that, you know, I had to have a procedure to get my port in. You know, so I did all of that. And so um, there, I didn't do, in the beginning, I didn't do a whole lot of research because I'm relying on the doctors mm-hmm. telling me, you know, this is what needs to be done. Right. Right. So as I, you know, went through everything, um, you know, kind of stayed positive. I was like, you know, this is not going to beat me. It is what it is. You know, I have to go through it. You know, so I did the um, six rounds of chemo. So they're going through, you know, probably around the fourth treatment. I started doing, um, you know, when I had the strength, you know, I started doing research and stuff and researching the cancer and different things. And, you know, I, I had a friend who referred me to this um, this uh, herbalist. Okay. And so yep. he's from Grenada. And so I started talking to him and he was giving me, you know, different advice and things to do and stuff like that. And at first I was just like, you know, how is he going to tell me this? And the doctor is telling me something else. Right. So they, they kind of make you feel like you can't listen to anyone else but them. Right. And so as he started to give me, you know, things to do and um, tease the drink and stuff, you know, I started feeling better. And, you know, so I went on with the, um, the uh, chemo. I finished it and then, so the chemo was to shrink the tumor. So my tumor was probably like a golf ball size. Okay. And so they said, oh, you need this chemo to shrink the tumor. And so what the um, herbalist had told me, you know, which was a eye opener, he was like, when you have cancer in your breast, your breast is not an organ. So you can have tumors that come and go hmm. and it will not it will not kind of, it won't just, if, if it doesn't go to your organs, you can get tumors in your breast. They can come, they can go, which I'm sure we all get throughout our lifetime. Right. Until it goes to an organ, you can live with that lump for years. Right. So, but the doctors won't tell you that. Right. You know? So, um, you know, I was still kind of on the fence. I'm just like, you know, I don't know this guy, but. You know, I really don't know the oncologist either, but we put so much stock into the doctors. And so I went on and did it. So at the end, they were like, you know, you got to have surgery and this and that. And so I did the surgery. But after that, they wanted to put me on all these medications. I had to do this and this. And I was like, radiation, I'm not doing any of that. And why did you choose to not do that versus the other things that you were told to do? Because at the when I first started, I was kind of like, nobody really tells us about cancer. Right. And, you know, if you get it, what to do. It's just like, oh my gosh, the big C. Right. We're really not educated on what it is, what your options are. We're, we're never told that. I'm growing up, I never knew that. Like I had a lot of my family members that had it, but they never talked about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, we were never taught to, um, do different things so we won't get these sickness. You just go on with life. Right. And that's what I did. Right. So as I got more educated on, you know, different things to do, doing things um, herbally, eating clean, you know, I was just like, 
you know, that's it. And then as I went into the oncologist's office, you know, I would challenge her, you know, well, what is this going to do, this medication, what is it going to do for me and my body? Right. Can you tell me that? And she couldn't answer. Right. So that's what made me say, you know, I'm not going to do anything else because you're not telling me how this can help me. You're just giving me something that you give to all your patients. Like, how do you know my body is fit for this and that? If you can't tell me that, then, you know, I don't want to do anything else. Right. And so that's basically, you know, where I was. And they wanted me to take this um, tamoxifen for five years. That Hmm. medicine causes cancer. Oh, wow. Okay. I've heard that. Yeah. So I'm not, you know, so I go back. Yeah, so I go back every I go back every six months. Yeah. And I do things and when I go, she's like, Oh, your blood work is, is excellent and mm-hmm. you know and she was like, Are you taking the tamoxifen? And I was like, So I tell her I said, Yeah, I take it once or twice a week. Mhm. But I don't take it at all. So she's thinking, Oh, the tamoxifen is really what Right. Her. Right. Right. But it's my nutrition is me being mentally stable to know that it's just a con that these you know doctors are doing so well I love that story and I'm glad that you have that mindset and I appreciate you sharing that because I want to dive into some more of those things I want to ask Jennifer but I I want to ask Jennifer her story, but there was like some stats. So I I copied these stats from NIH, the National Institute of Health. And I also look on PubMed, which has all these free articles about health. And what they said was black women had little knowledge when they did a study of women just specifically in North Carolina. Black women had little knowledge about breast cancer subtypes, but they emphasized that health communication should be personally relevant, culturally appropriate, and convenient to our community because every mm-hmm. community speaks a different language. So, some of so the women had to do a, a survey and then they wrote down their own stuff. A lot of them thought that cancer was a white woman's disease. They also thought that they couldn't get it because their mother didn't have it or somebody in their family didn't already have it. And then they also didn't tie nutrition, mental health, exercise and, you know, stress relief or any of those things to cancer. They just said, Uh oh, we're black. Black women get everything. One woman actually wrote this. We're black. Black women get everything. So... That's why we could get it. Mm-hmm. That sounds crazy. And right. so that's part of why I wanted to do this show. And that's part of why I have the Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuary in general. It's time to wake up and start listening to these things that have been passed down. It's time for us to take our own health into our own hands. So it's not very often that you know that your doctor is really your vendor. Right. You pay your doctor. You picked them out probably from a referral or it was in your insurance, but they basically work for you. And we're not taught that our doctors work for us. We're taught to give all of our powers to the doctors and to just listen to what they say and to take it as Bible verse that they know exactly what it is. So I want to bring Jennifer in, who's been so patient. I want to bring Jennifer in and talk about your experience because Erica's was 2016. When was yours? Mine was 2017. Um, I was only 33 years old. And, you know, you just think I'm at an age where I don't have to deal with any real illness, especially not cancer. Um, and like you said, it, you think, oh, I don't have a family history of this, so I'm I'm in the clear. And right. um, I was just, I was in my, I was living the happiest life that I, I had ever lived. I had just gotten married. Um, I had just got a house built and we were just, we just moved in. We were still living our little honeymoon life. Right. So, um, And then this happened, and mine didn't start with the lump. Mine started with um, uh, a bloody nipple, and it was a discharge that it wasn't like 
spewing out or anything, but it was coming out and I was noticing it like um, on my sheets. Um, at, you know, when I would wake up in the morning, I'd be like, what is that? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just started paying closer attention and I, you know, wore a light colored bra one day and I was like, oh, this is coming from my nipple. Um, and I went to the doctor and got a biopsy done and found out that I was um, stage two. Well, originally it was stage one. Once they, once I did the double mastectomy, um, they discovered that I was a little further along. So, Wow. So now let's talk about emotions because a lot of times we kind of like go straight to fear. So of what course. did you, what, what were you thinking? Um, I was just thinking, I can't believe this is happening to me right now when I'm so happy, but I just knew that I was like, okay, this is something that I'm going to face head on. I'm going to try to be as positive as possible mm-hmm. about it. But I was also just still emotional. You just, when it's something like that, you're like, I have to get my breasts removed. I have to get my nipples removed. How is my husband going to feel about me? How am I going to feel about myself? Right. What is this going to, how is this going to change my life? And, um, you know, and, you know, women are vain mm-hmm. and they're like, I'm going to lose my hair. What? Right. So there was just a million emotions. And um, one of the best things that happened to me was um, my tribe of other women that were going through it that were my in my same age range. And we kind of walked through it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was so, so, so important in how I made it through because you can have um, a huge um, support system, but being able to talk to other women that are also um, facing the same challenges as you are just makes things so much better. So absolutely, um, I use that and humor um, because there are times where, you know, it's a sad situation, but there's times to find um, there's ways to find humor in, in all of it. So I try to do that. So tell me. So Jennifer writes a blog called The Young and the Breastless. Yes. And so shout out to Kate because Kate connected us. <laughs> Kate was both of our co-workers at some point. And um, she connected us and I she showed me her blog and I was like this and because I understand how painful and how scary it can be. But I loved the fact that she brought humor to what she was going through, which then I'm sure anybody who was reading it would then feel better if they were going through it and um, making it a little bit light because you know, if you, if you're in the dumps the whole time about it, right. then you also can heal. Right. And it just makes the process so much longer. So um, tell us about the young and the breasts and it, how that even came up. Cause that name is hilarious. So I was supposed to speak on a panel, um, at a conference and I was just like, okay, I need to have way a way for other women to, um, you know, contact me and, and read about me and, hopefully be inspired Mm -hmm. and um so it was kind of accidental and I just started writing and I got so much great feedback and so many other women that reach out to me daily um on my Instagram Mm -hmm. about just how amazing and how relatable the blog is and how it has helped them make it through so I have been helping other women who are currently just starting their process and um you know, just trying to be a friend and I've connected my other breasties to these women. So we've just breasties. become breasties. Like besties. Yes. <laughs> so we've become one large clique of women. And, um, you know, and even after you face breast cancer, you still have the mental health part that you kind of have to um, figure out and it's not just about you either it's about the person or the people that walked you through it the caregivers are also um, a huge part in um, in our survival so so well I appreciate that and I'm glad that you were able to find that kind of a tribe not everybody is able to find that to find that and you know one of the things that I know with any disease we have put the big C, you know, cancer is like the scary, scary one. There's a, there's a few others, but 
you know, Erica and I were talking this weekend and then I remember she said something about she felt like they were trying to scare her or something like that. Mm -hmm. Talk a little Mm -hmm. bit more about that and how that made you feel because like I say on this show, for anybody who listens, I'm real woo-woo. So I like to talk about reality and I like to talk about woo-woo things. And when one thing I like to talk about is energy. And energy is everything and vibration is everything. And however you're vibrating, you attract the same to you. Now that's easy to say when you're in situations, you have to really, it's a muscle you have to um, learn how to exercise and strengthen to be able to keep yourself steeled and grounded when you have things going on. But definitely if you're in fear and the doctors are scaring you and forcing you and you don't know what's going on, that's definitely fear. And that will attract more fear Mm -hmm. and To be honest, the cells feel that. And people don't know that. Our cells feel our fear. And when you are fearful, they are fearful. And when they are afraid, they don't they don't heal. But when you vibrate high, so there's there's love at the top and there's fear at the bottom of like, you know, like an arrow. Right. And so Uh when you're in love, if you're telling yourselves we're going to beat this. If you're telling yourselves, I love you, if you, I do that every day and I'm not even really dealing with anything, but you have to do it because you want your body to feel good. So that's the woo woo part. So let's talk about the realistic part of, you know, I've posted some stats here and one of the stats that says, despite improvements in breast cancer detection, diagnosis and treatment, it is well documented that African-American women are still disproportionately affected by the disease. Have you heard that stat before? It's just one of those things where we are, especially African-American women, we are like um, Atlas. We're superwoman. We hold everything in. We're taking care of everybody. We're working hard. We might not be happy at work. We have all these different things that also affect our body. It affects, like you said, Jennifer, our mental health um, and it affects our cells. And so when we keep suppressing things, a lot of times this disease comes to our body. This ease comes to our body to share a story with us. So at first it's the little knocking and then it comes with a big roar if we haven't listened to it. Because what I know about breast cancer is that if you and most diseases, by the time you get diagnosed, Diagnosed, it was already there for many, many years. It's just then it has been identified. So for you, Erica, when you were like from the time you heard about it to like real quick, you went to get the you know you went to get the surgery and you went to get whatever treatments you got. It had already been there for a few years. So why rush you? You know, right. right? Why, why, why rush you? So let's talk about some of the ways that you were able to advocate for yourself in the, you know, in the doctor's office. And as you were going through your process, because that's what I, I don't want to just like do all the scary stuff. I want to talk about ways like Jennifer doing it with a little bit of humor and you with advocacy. How can you advocate for yourself if you come to find yourself in that position? And Erica, I want well, to hear. Well, um, advocating for yourself, meaning like when you go into the doctor's office, like you have to have the upper hand. Like kind of don't give them the upper hand. Like they say it's one, two, or three. So those one, two, and three, you should have questions. Okay, well, if you're going to put me on this medication, what are the side effects? What are, you know, just continue to ask questions. And just like, why can that help me? Don't just have them lay out something for you without you asking questions because they're not always right. Right. Everything they, you know, is not written in stone because the medication they may prescribe, you know, I may be allergic to it. Like, how do they know that? You know, so you just have to, you just have to ask a lot of questions. Like, right. and you have to not be, a, not be afraid. Like you, because when you go in there, they have this, their face and they it's like no emotion at all and that kind of intimidates you mm-hmm. because they're like oh if you don't do this this is what's going to happen yep but you do have options which they absolutely do not tell you they just say this is what it is and it's not and if you don't speak up for yourself 
then, you know, they'll just say, oh, well, this is what you have to do. So I would say you just have to ask, you know, the right question. Right. I um, tell my daughter all the time, she asks me questions, she's 16, and I'm like, you hold the world in your hand, right? Mm -hmm. Information, this is the information age. You can find information on anything, and there's, you know, if you know anything about the internet, you'll get one side, you'll get 73 sides. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's just up for you, and this is not just for cancer, this is with anything. You are able to go online and like they say, Google it, and research the different things that you're getting, and then you sit with yourself, you sit with your own heart, you sit with the people that love you, you sit with your own tuition, intuition, Mm-hmm. And you say, what's right for me? Right. What really, really makes sense for me, you know, in this in this situation that I'm finding myself? What feels good? What doesn't? What makes sense? Because like you said, a lot of times you will be diagnosed. You know, I, I don't have I haven't ever been diagnosed with cancer, obviously, but I have been diagnosed with other things. And doctors told me so many things and I jumped through so many hoops and I still found myself at some point in the same situation. And so one day I just was like, what's really good? You know, like mm-hmm. what's good? What, what am I what am I doing? I have spent so much money. I have spent so much time to keep it real I have so much scar tissue like what in the hell is happening and so you know I'm like I have to do something different so I started to ask for wisdom and I started to Mm -hmm. ask for guidance and I started to google stuff and then as soon as I started with that um, spirit then all these people came to me people came to me resources came to me information came to me for me to be able to then make another choice on what they were telling me versus what I wanted to do yep I have a breastie that is um basically just starting her journey she hasn't even started um treatment yet and she doesn't have kids so like me she you know is about to start her fertility treatment so that she can have babies after this Mm. and she's got she has her doctors that are telling her you need to hurry up you have two weeks before you know you you have two weeks to get all of this done um because we need you to get chemo we need you to start chemo Mm -hmm. we need you to have have you do all of this stuff and i'm like no Mm -hmm. if you've waited this long you can wait another month and do whatever you need to do to make sure that you're making the right decision for you right well i'm glad you told her that yeah and for those of you who are just joining us or who are coming in later please know that if you come up with any diagnosis for anything Please know, because this is the part where we are inspiring, we're educating, and we're empowering. So if you have something, a dis-ease, a little something going on in your body, it is it has been there for quite a few years probably. And now you are just um, starting to, you know, get the symptoms and, and now it's identified. Please don't rush yourself or allow yourself to be rushed to make any rash decisions before you do your own prayer, before you do your own meditation, before you talk to the people that love you, who can help guide you before you um, start to move past the fear and the shock. Because it's a grief thing, I'm pretty sure. So you go through the cycles of grief of like the bargaining, like, oh God, how this happened to me or why did this happen to me and all these different things. But I do know that when you have something going on in your body, it's an opportunity to really see if you're living the life that you want to lead. Because a lot of times when we have these diseases in our body, it's because we've suppressed who we are for so long. We're not mm-hmm. living our dreams. We're not speaking up for themselves. So like an example, thyroid. When you don't speak the truth about who you are, it gets blocked here. Mm-hmm. It's stagnation because we're not living our lives. We're not living the life that we were born to live. We have kind of like gotten into um, society. Right. And then we get on like the hamster wheel and then we just ride the hamster wheel. We got this job. We went to college. We got the husband. We're going to have the children. We got the house. And But that's not all of life. 
You know what I'm saying? There are other things that we want to do. So I am glad that you were able to tell her that and keep telling that to people. Um, So does anybody else? So Erica, what you're like since 2016, October is like your celebration milestone. What have you been doing now? I know you're not telling the doctor that you're not taking that medicine and that's fine. Um, What else do you do to keep yourself mentally clear and, you know, empowered to to walk your journey? Well, I mean, I just um, stay positive Um, every day, you know, is definitely a gift. So, you know, I just look at things totally different, you know, um, I cherish people in my life. You know, because having cancer, it, it really showed me who people are, mm-hmm. um, who's for me, who's not. You know, and I think sometimes when we um, get things, we kind of think they're punishment for things that we've done. But sometimes things happen to us to wake us up. You yep. know what I mean? To do different things. Right. Um, you know, to make people more aware of different things. So I never um, thought about. I never thought that I got cancer as a as a punishment. You know, I'm over the past year I'm realizing that I got it for a reason and it needs to be told that no it's not a death sentence. You know, cancer is just like any other disease. It could be it it could be just like depression or pneumonia. It's it's just something that you have to you know, you potentially have to go through. Right. You know, it can take you, you know, into different levels. It can bring you closer to people. You know, it makes you think about life. So that's just how I, um, every day I just live and I do what I want to do. Like I'm not, um, like I thought that job that I had was, you know, that was the job that I was going to have for years. Right. But, you know, I got cancer and so now I'm not working. So now I'm trying to spend my time to be, um, I guess, a not really a slow person, but to speak out more about, you know, that it's not what everybody or these doctors think it is. It's really not. They shouldn't be scaring people. Yep. So every time I get the opportunity where I can speak and, you know, encourage someone, you know, that's always a plus for me. You know, it could be one person, two people, but people have to realize that it's not, it's definitely not a death sentence. It, it is curable, you know, and people just need to know that. So I really would like to do different things to get that word out. You know, it's a, and it's a lot of people out there doing um, this same thing, but not a lot of people of color telling our people yep. that, they don't have to go through what they're going through. Right. So that, I would like that to be my mission. Like, you know, even the younger girls, like, you shouldn't be diagnosed with cancer in your 20s. Like, you shouldn't even be diagnosed with it at all. It's <laughs> right. Just, you know, you just need to be watching what you're eating. Your mind, stress brings on a lot of sickness. And, you know, that I really would like to people to know that, you know, you have to stay positive you can't be stressed out. Let stuff go. Like, it's, it's not that big of a deal, you know. I mean, yes, things are a big deal, but you can't bring that into your body. Right. Take on other people. You can only control what you can control is really pretty right. much it. Right. Right. Well, I love that, Erica. I love that you have that mindset. I, I think that's beautiful. And it is true. Black women, I did shows like in, just in the last month, I have done shows about the disparity of health care for black women versus white women in in the Western you know, society. We die faster. People don't um, tell us the truth. They don't listen to us. And yeah. it kind of became more prevalent when um, Serena Williams went in to have her baby and she knew she was having a pulmonary embolism because she's had them before and they were telling her no. Right. And she's like, yo, I went through this before. This is what I need. I know what I need. And we are not taught to listen to our bodies that knows what it's need because we're taught we don't know what we need. Right. So mm-hmm. this, the, the Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuary is sort of like to help myself and others turn the mirror back to ourselves and know that we do know 
what we need. We might not have all the information, but we are smart enough to gather the information to be able to use it to then know on top of prayer and on top of meditation and on top of having the people that love us um, to be able to make the good decisions for ourselves. And, you know, I love that you want to do that for black women, for young women. And I also am so glad that you brought up the part about punishment. That is some BS. There is no punishment. There is nobody standing over us with white hair, striking us down, talking about you didn't do this or that. So you're getting a disease. Please stop that. Please don't think that. That's not true. We attract it. We are things that we can do to change the things that we've been doing. Yep. Right. So I love that. Jennifer, did you have something? Um, I am kind of like Erica said, I just feel like I now have a second chance at life. So it's like, what are you going to do with it? Who are you spending your time with? What are you spending your time on? How are you controlling your thoughts and how you vibrate and I've really really been focusing on just meditation and um, you know just trying to attract the things that I want because I didn't fight breast cancer to you know go to a job that I hate every day I didn't uh, fight breast cancer to spend time with people that don't value me and that are not adding to my life and so it's just um doing all of those things and also just trying to be there for other young women. There's so many white women that are telling their story and you don't really hear us. We don't have a voice um, and we need to be there to just talk to people and and encourage other women of color to fight and um, provide them with the tools that, you know, we've we've learned. Absolutely. And um, on also this research, there's there was um, a quote and it's a fact, actually, it's it's on this. I'm going to put this in the show notes, um, but it's a quote from this NIH um, article. And it basically said there is limited research to guide the design of prevention programs and risk communication messages for African-Americans. That's some BS. Because every single time the Susan G. Coleman, you know, um, thing comes around, I see all the sisters out there with their pink. Mm -hmm. So where's the money, Susan? Right. Where's the money? Right. So, (laughs) you you know, it's a marketing scheme. Is pretty much what it is. You know, I hate to just put it out there, but we on some awaken and heal type stuff. So it's a really a marketing scheme and all the monies don't necessarily go to that. And it is a proven fact in this article. And I'm going to post the link so you can find it yourself um, where they are not creating um, messaging. They are not creating strategies. They are not creating communications for us they're doing it for them and so that's why we're saying i hate to make it a us or them but i mean the numbers have just proven out time and time and time and time again black women are dying we're dying in childbirth we're dying because of cancer we're dying because of mental health it used to be black women because of mental health issues it used to be that black people didn't commit suicide we are like tired of holding the world up we are tired of um many of us are tired of doing the status quo what worked for our mothers and our grandmothers and their generations doesn't necessarily have to be what we do and so you know it's time to for those who are ready it's just only when you're ready you know ready to do something different and you can you can question your doctor you can question the people who are telling you to do things that have to do things, you know, something with your body. You can tell them the research that you have. You can leave them and go somewhere else. There's all different types of things. But Jennifer, you have a stat. Um, I have in my uh, blogging and Instagramming have um, 
uh, come to follow a um, organization that is actually a branch of Susan G. Coleman, and it's for Black women, and it's oh. called Know Your Girls. So knowyourgirls.org um, is a site that um, shares the stories of other women, that st- shares statistics and other tools that can be helpful. Um, so if you are not aware, you should definitely check them out. Okay. Knowyourgirls.org. Okay. Okay. And so um, let's talk about what you do when you wake up in the morning to just keep yourself together and what your family and your husband and your parents and your siblings or whatever have been doing, how they've been navigating it with you. Or Um, not. Or not. So I, um, I have two women now it's turned into four, like four, um, that I talk to every day and they just inspire me and we all just pull each other up and encourage each other and make each other laugh. And so I talk to them pretty much from the time I wake up until the time I go to bed. Um, I have a wonderful husband who is so amazing and so supportive and I don't know what I would have done without him. So I just have wonderful people around me that, um, that are there to support me and allow me to support them. And Erica, how about for you? What what kind of um, society or community have you put around yourself to support you? You know, it, that's kind of funny because I, you know, before I got diagnosed, you know, I have a lot of friends and, you know, but it just seems like after, you know, going through everything, mm-hmm. It, it seems like people, not that they're scared to talk, like they don't know what to say. Like if I call her, like, what should I say? You know? So I really, not to say I really don't have any friends because I do absolutely have friends, but we really don't talk about cancer. Right. You know, um, me and my daughter are like super close. That's like my go-to girl. Um, mm-hmm. You know, her and my son, were kind of like, you know, my arms going through it. So I told some people, but I didn't tell a whole bunch of people, but everybody, eventually everybody knows. But, you know, in the morning I just get up and, you know, I just pray and I just, you know, go day by day. Like if, if someone says, you know, well, I'm always willing to talk about it. You know, like Jennifer, you know, I joke about it a lot because it's, Yes, it's a serious situation, but you can't make it so serious that it brings you down. Right. So I just stay positive all the time. I'm always laughing, you know. Um, so that's pretty much it. Like, I don't, I really don't have um, a go-to person. Like, I had a, they set me up with a mentor when I was going through treatment. But okay. I haven't heard from her. I haven't heard from her. Um but, you know, and that doesn't bother me, you know, doesn't make me, you know, you know, I encourage myself. I don't need, you know, other people to be like, oh, you're going to be okay. Like, I don't really need that. Yes, that would be wonderful. And, you know, but that doesn't, that doesn't drive me. Just me getting up and me being my own bubbly self, you know, is enough for me. Like, I, you know, I, I would like to grow, you know, a community where, I can go and talk to people who have gone through what I've gone through and understand. Yes, I would like that, but um, at this point, you know, it I, it seems like I really only get a lot of people is during Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Okay. Like, right. You know, around that time, it's like, oh, everybody wants to talk. Oh, here's Erica, she's a survivor, but you know, I live this every day. I'm I'm a survivor, but it's I'm just not a survivor doing during October. October, right. Right. You know, so um yeah, that's that's where I you know, I don't and I'm not mad that, you know, people are not calling me oh you know, and that's fine. You know, I just, you know, live day by day being, you know, who I am. Right. I think a lot of people don't know what to say. I was gonna say that. Right. Yes. I think right. I had a I had a lot of people that were just like, I didn't reach out to you because I saw that you had so many other people around you and it's like, well, you shouldn't have been silent though. Like that wasn't the right thing to do yeah. either. But you also just have to understand and people have to understand that there is no 
right thing to say or right right or wrong thing to say but just to check in and say hi how are you doing and if I want to talk to you about it then I can but and I also don't want to talk about it all the time so I just want sometimes I would just have people that would come over and they would just lay on my couch with me and we would just watch tv and that was more than enough so um yeah I think people just don't know and they don't and that's what I was going to say you know like when somebody dies and then you're like yeah. scared to call the person who's somebody died in their family. It's the same mm-hmm. thing. You know, you, you kind of don't know what to do. I think that we have gotten a little bit of a buffer with texts yep. because you can text the person and be like, you all right. And then you can feel like mm-hmm. if they draw you in because they want to speak about it, then and then, you know, some people just everybody's different. And so some people find strength in just being able to keep their small little circle and going with it that way. And some people just want the whole community. So like you said, there's no right or wrong. It just is everybody's individual and just respecting that. But it doesn't hurt since we have the little buffer to shoot a little text and be like, you all right? Yeah. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, Erica, I, you were talking about... Um, taking teas and stuff what has worked for you and what do you do like you say you're not on the tamoxifen but what has worked for you and then I also want to say we're not doctors here but and everybody's body's different they call it bio individuality everybody responds to things differently but what have you found that has worked for you to be able to keep your blood level so great when every time you go to the doctor and you know to yourself that you're not on that medicine. So what are the things you're, you've been doing? Well, um, for one, what I did, um, I stopped eating meat um, because my cancer was hormone-driven. I was a um, HER2 positive. So Me that too. was a hormone-driven cancer. Okay. So um, I just did um, a lot of research on that. Is that estrogen dominance? Yes. yes. Okay, estrogen dominance. Okay, mm-hmm. let's talk about that when you get... Keep on going. Um, so, I, for years, I didn't eat pork or red meat. So, I, I was really, you know, a healthy, I would say, you know, I was pretty healthy. Um, but I just didn't, I just couldn't, and I'm not a doctor, so I said, you know, where did it come from? And I had to think back to, you know, the different things I was on. So backtrack a year before I got diagnosed with cancer, I was diagnosed with lupus. Oh. So when I was on, so the only thing I was doing different was I was on a lupus medication and, you know, so I just looked at that as a, as a wake up call. Like I didn't, and, and it all boils down to inflammation. Like that is the basis of really where most diseases start is inflammation. So I had that and I was taking that for a year and so that medication so I was juicing and doing different things and I was going back and things were getting better so you know I said okay you know I don't need to take that medicine anymore but I kind of stopped doing what I was doing I stopped mm. doing the juicing and things like that and so it, it kinda, I started feeling the way I was feeling again and so that's what prompted me to keep going to the doctor so when I guess the flare-ups kept coming and I was ignoring them and so they apparently got out of control and that's when I got diagnosed with cancer. So I went back to the juicing. I said, well, let me go back to what works. And so when I was on chemo and stuff, I asked the doctor, can I take a bite? They were like, no, we don't want you to take anything but this medicine. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't listen to her. I still took my you know, my vitamins and things like that, which made me feel better. Mm-hmm. So I just stopped eating meat. I juice a lot. Um, I have a, a friend who is, um, she's also a herbalist. She studied with the other guy. So she makes um, this cancer tea okay. for me. And it's just, it has different things in it, like cordyceps. It's just things from the earth. Yes. And I do that three times a day. Um, it tastes like dirt. It really does, but it helps, (laughs) right? You know, so she gave me other things to take. Um, she gives, I take B12, I do iodine, I do different supplements. Um, 
and just eat clean. You know, that's really it. I don't drink sodas. I, I drink all water and tea, green tea, and that's really it. Like, I don't, and I exercise. I go to the gym, mm-hmm. and, you know, I just stay moving. Um, and that's that's basically, you know, what I do, keep my mind clear. So that's, on a daily basis, that's what I do. If I, you know, I just started going back to work. Well, it's been about almost a year since I've been back to work. Okay. So I only work. Um, I do hair, so only work when I want to work, like okay. two days a week. Okay. That's it. I don't, I don't stress myself out. You know, if it's something that I can't do, I don't do it. You know, if I can, I can. If I, you know, I just don't. So that's the way I look at things. Mm-hmm. I don't let people pressure me into doing things, running, doing stuff for people. I just don't do a lot. I just take care of me. Now, did you do that before? That's my question, because I want to ask Jennifer the same thing. What are you doing differently with this experience that you did that you didn't do before? Like, what has it sparked in you? So did you not do those things before, Erica? Or this is a new Erica? You got brand new. Right. Yeah. Like I used to be like running for people. I used to work on my feet like all day. I used to work. Before I got diagnosed, I used to work a full-time job from 6 to 2, and then I would go work in the salon from 4 to 12. Hmm. Then, you know, not getting enough sleep, getting up, doing the same thing over and over and over, not getting a good night's rest, not eating right, you know. So I just was like, you know, something has to change. Right. So I started working out more, just started juicing, you know, finding out what was good for my body. I ate vegetables, but you know, you know, the basic vegetables. So now I do organic. Mm -hmm. Um, I make my own juice, like things like that, that I find raw vegetables that are good and heal your body. Right. And how do you know that? Is it because you're Googling or how, how do you, how do you know what heals your body? Well, I mean, not just Googling, but when I talk to the herbalist, just different things that they tell me is good right. um, for my body and my blood type. Yep. You know, I didn't know that, you know, my blood type requires certain things. Mm-hmm. That's enough, you know, so I'm, I put those things in my body that are good for my blood type and will make me thrive. So that. those are things that I do that I wasn't doing before. You know, just people be like, oh, you should eat this. You know, so I just research that right everything ain't for everybody yeah everything is not for everybody and everybody's body is different i wanted to talk about the estrogen dominance i'm estrogen dominant too but we many of us are because of our environment i took all the plastics as much as i could out of my house so if you look online you can just google um estrogen things that create estrogen dominance in the body sitting in front of the computer like i went to the doctor my doctor i go to a holistic doctor she told me this like four or five years ago get the plastic out your house stop sitting in front of the um the internet all the time it changes your endocrine system it changes your hormones it it um puts too much estrogen in she was like you have to detox she did this bio um this bio uh, i forget what it's called test on me where she put my hand on a mouse like this and it read all of the different toxins that i had in my body from the microwave from the um, fertilizer that was put on my yard in the 70s wow. all those years ago those things get absorbed into the fat, into your tissues and your body. And that's where you store them, especially women. We store it on our stomachs, on our butts and under our arms. So we, um, you know, that's where these toxins live and they could live there for a long time. And then one day, all of a sudden you got cancer, you got to run and do whatever. So just know that estrogen dominance is, there's lots of things that cause estrogen dominance. And then there's a word for it, but it's of course it's escaping my mind now. But for those who are watching and listening, Google that things that are estrogen dominant and try to back yourself out of some of those things. A lot of that is environmental because we have so many new man-made things and plastic leeches and other things happen. So if you can sweat, if you don't have high blood pressure or any reason why you can't um, take a sea salt bath, you know, we take Mm -hmm. sea salt baths. I go to the gym, I steam and I, and I sit in the sauna. I try to, you know, do different things to detox my body, colon hydrotherapy to try to get some of that stuff out because that causes estrogen dominance. So I wanted to hear 
your, well, your I view feel on like what I you're need doing to step differently. My game up. Um, I have definitely gone the organic route. Um, I have um, changed just like my skincare products. Um, mm-hmm. The deodorant that I'm using that is a journey in itself. <laughs> this <laughs> natural deodorant. Yep. Um, And really just trying to um, work on my mental health because that is still a struggle for me. Um, So it's something that you need support in. That is not a struggle. It is something our word is our wand. And so if she's saying it's a struggle, then it's a struggle. So we need more support there. Yes. Okay. So I'm thinking, Erica. And Jennifer, y'all need to connect. We do. You need to bring Jennifer. Uh, you need to bring Erica into that to them breasties situation, yes. and then Erica can kind of like help as like the OG to help talk about <laughs> some of the ways to balance what they're getting at the doctor's office and advocacy, right. and um, some of the things that she's doing. And then everybody can do whatever they want to do. It's not a problem if you do what the doctors tell you to do. If you want to do it. Some people, that's just what they want to do. They are comfortable going the route of what the doctor says. However, there are other options. And that's just the whole thing is that there are other options. There are other things for you to consider. There are other ways that you can approach this and other diseases, dis-ease, just a little something going on in your body, an opportunity to give yourself a wake-up call. Yes. Right. Yeah. So I think we have like four minutes. Right. So I want to give Erica a few more like the last few things you want to say. And then I want Jennifer to do the last few things she wants to say and then to direct people to her uh, website. Um, let me see. Well, first, I want to say this has been a re- really good discussion. I, I, I yes. did want to say also back to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, when you go to the doctor. I don't know if people know this. I didn't know this. Okay. Like you, when every time I go to the doctor, I ask them for the doctor's notes. Okay. Every time I go, so whatever test they do on me, all of my blood work and all of that, what the doctor says, what I say, you can get a copy of that. Mm-hmm. Um, because and most people don't know that they can get that. Like I have a whole stack of every time I go to the doctor, every treatment I went to, what you said, what I said, what you described, prescribed, what you did it. So that's a good thing to have because if, what if you don't want that doctor to care for you? You could take those records to someone else or mm-hmm. even to a holistic doctor and they can, you know, prescribe some things for you. So I did want to say that. Um, that's perfect. Yeah. Just, and just that every, you know, the, the natural route is, is the, the best way. Like, I can't, I'm not, I won't turn back. I don't, you know, I do basically everything natural. Like Jennifer said, I do natural deodorant. I make my own shea butter. I don't even buy lotion, shampoo, all that stuff I make myself. Right. Because I know what's in it. Not a lot of preservatives. And a lot of times those are the things we put in our body that messing our bodies up. Like right. a lot of processed stuff and, you know, I don't eat out a lot unless, you know, it's be- like if I know what it is. Like right. I cook a lot at home. Right. So that's a, a huge thing that people don't do. Okay. So I just wanted to, you know, thank you for having me on. Yes. You know, really good discussion. Thank you. And I'm thank so you, glad. Jennifer. <laughs> yes. So we got two minutes, Jennifer. Let's let's wrap it up. Um, I would just say that um, breast cancer can be very, very scary for for people. Um, I just encourage anyone that is facing this disease or any kind of disease to just power through it. The only way out is through and you will always become you will come out on the other side even better than when you started. And yeah. I never thought that that would be what it would be for me but mm-hmm. it has um, and you can reach me my blog is um, theyoungandthebreastless.com and um, I have weekly blog updates I'm also on Instagram the underscore youngandthebreastless okay well thank you ladies thank, thank you, you Erica thank you Jennifer yeah. thank you for sharing you know your stories and definitely for um letting the sisters know that there is another way you know there is another way and tapping into your intuition eating good foods doing the things you love are all ways that you know you can 
one, don't have these situations going on. But two, if you find yourself in it, it's not a curse. It's basically a wake up call to allow you the opportunity to make a new choice. So thank you again for being in the sanctuary. You can find me on Instagram at Awaken and Heal. You can also listen to my new show, The Sanctuary Radio Show, In The Flow. We're going to be diving even deeper into issues like this and things that people don't like to talk about. So again, we thank you and we will see you next time in The Sanctuary. Peace. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.